I'm mom's favorite. My assistant here at the church, Tully, received a red t-shirt with big white lettering on it from her mother in this, at the Christmas of 2018 that said, I'm mom's favorite. And Tully's three older sisters received the identical t-shirt. In fact, mom gave this t-shirt to everyone in the family, grandmother, the in-laws, anybody in the family. There were eight of them in this picture that Tully shared with me, all draped together arm in arm, and mom was right in the center wearing the same t-shirt, only mom had marked out the word favorite, and it just said, I'm mom. The greetings that we hear tonight from Luke's gospel began the Christmas story with the line, favored one, greetings, favored one. But Mary, who receives this greeting, does not really feel like she's the favorite. It takes some reassuring from the angel. The angel appears mysteriously to Mary with some stunning and not so welcome news the angel whispers into Mary's ear, trying to convince Mary by saying, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. But the news that she is expecting does not initially make Mary feel all that favored. Taylor Swift was named the person of the year in 2023. Why? Why has she become such a phenomenon? Even before she dated our own Travis Kelsey, she was out filling stadiums with 69,000 fans to hear her music. Her tour quickly earned over a billion dollars and folks were willing to shell out several thousand dollars for one ticket and then fly across the country to go to that venue. I, I know some of us in this room did that. Why? Ironically, Taylor Swift is a songwriter, and she writes songs about what it feels like to not be favored. A recent podcast reveals how it is that this pop star resonates with so many of us. For example, when Taylor Swift was just a teenage girl growing up in Pennsylvania, no one had ever heard of her, and one day she called some friends and said, hey, would you like to go to the mall with me? And they were like, no, we already have other plans, but ask us again. And her mom said, well, I'll take you to the mall. So she went to the mall and when she walked in, there were those very friends. It was devastating. And she wrote a song about that sad day and she wrote in the song, I don't know how my friends could be so mean. I don't know who I'm supposed to talk to at school. And a more recent Taylor Swift composition is entitled, My Tears Ricochet. So you see, the music critics suggest that Taylor Swift's music resonate with every single one of us who has ever felt betrayed by someone that we loved. Maybe it was a supervisor who was paying our colleagues far more than us. Maybe it was a friend or a lover who broke our heart. So often, we have these experiences in life where, as human beings, we just don't feel favored. 
like the year you graduated from college, and that was the year the economy tanked, or the year that your company merged and you were just about to be promoted and get the office that you wanted, the position that you wanted, and instead you found yourself downsized, or the time that the car accident robbed you of what you thought was going to be a long and full happy life together, or the relationship that fizzles just when we thought it was about to get serious. And for so many this very night, all around a little town of Bethlehem, bombs and bullets fly, and God's promise of peace eludes. Oh God, we don't feel like your favorite. To a teenage girl in a two-bit town called Nazareth, an angel appears, and the angel speaks for God, saying, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But Mary is much perplexed. She ponders, what do I make of this? What is happening here? And God persists. The theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer lived through one of the bleakest chapters in human history, World War II. In the end, Bonhoeffer was martyred for his faith, but Bonhoeffer wrote that ethics is the path that we human beings make towards God. But grace is the exclusive path of God moving towards us with compassion. That's what Mary feels this night, that she was favored, that she was receiving God's compassion, that Mother Teresa knows how Mary is feeling. And Mother Teresa knows what Taylor Swift's lyrics say that resonates with so many of us in modern times, because Mother Teresa said that being unwanted, unloved, uncared for, forgotten by everybody is a much greater poverty than the person who has nothing to eat. We hunger for love, said Mother Teresa, and that is a greater hunger. And if we keep on reading Luke's story of what happened in Bethlehem on this dark night long ago, we read that God's message goes beyond Mary. The angels sing not just to Mary, but also later the angels sing to the shepherds out in the fields keeping their flocks by night. The glory of the Lord shines in that smelly, humble field where the sheep are just settling in for the night. And the angel is joined by a heavenly host. Now, who could this heavenly host be? Is this the host of heaven? Is this the creator of the universe? We are not told, we are only told what the heavenly host comes to announce. An announcement that is made to the ordinary people who happen to be working the late shift that night. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among all whom God favors. You see, the spotlight widens first on Mary and then moving out to all of humanity. God favors not just you and not just you and not just us and not just Christians. God favors humanity. Every single one of us gets the shirt. God's favorite. Now, I remember 
the Christmas of 1995 more vividly than any other Christmas of my life. Precisely one week before Christmas on a Sunday morning, I gave birth to our son, Connor. I will never forget that feeling of just being absolutely flooded with love when he was placed in my arms for the first time. And then something happened that just stunned me. I had not anticipated this moment, but holding this newborn, I suddenly sensed in a deep guttural way this profound and overflowing love that my own mother had had for me. It had been there my whole life, and finally I felt it. This amazing love for me. That's what God's grace is like. That's what God's love is like, to know that profound, overpowering love, even for a second, is life-changing. And so how can God convey to us how much God loves us without this tiny, vulnerable child born in a feed trough? Mary and Joseph give birth to Jesus. The shepherds and the wise ones gather before him, kneeling in awe. God's mysterious and powerful love is unveiled in human flesh. God leans over us in compassion to say, I favor you. How else could God possibly convey that God was in love with humanity? The theologian Karl Barth said, the love of God always is that the divinity became part of humanity so that humanity could convey the divine love of God to one another. Jesus spent his whole life reaching out to those of us who don't feel all that favored to remind us that God loves us completely as we are at this very moment. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There is nothing you can do to make God love you less. Over and over throughout his life, Jesus will favor those who can't really fathom that God even notices them, let alone adores them. But perhaps a story tells it better. Author John Walton tells the story of Christmas Eve. Jeff, the father of two children, walked hand in hand with his daughter Grace, and she walked next to her older brother Matteo, who was carrying the bags of wrapping paper and ribbon and stocking stuffers they'd picked up at the last minute. They pass a shop window and Grace looks up and notices the very doll that she has placed on her Christmas list. But she knows that this might not be a typical Christmas. Her dad, Jeff, has been without work for three months. And so she just doesn't say anything and thinks to herself, I'll just wait and see what Santa brings. Jeff and his daughter, Grace, and her son, Mateo, arrive at the steps to their apartment building. They were so excited to get home where their other dad was preparing their favorite Christmas dinner, this wonderful pizzoli soup, chicken tamales, and their favorite dessert, cinnamon brunellos. As they climb the stairs, their mouth is already watering for the dinner. And then they see Mary, 
And Mary's there in the stairwell. They know Mary. She's usually somewhere in the several block area around their apartment building. But tonight is particularly cold. And Mary is there with her shopping cart, the one she borrowed from the grocery store. And it's filled with plastic bags holding all her earthly belongings. She's there covered up with two blankets and two winter coats, but when she sees them, she reaches into her cart and she pulls out a Christmas card for them. It has each of their names written on it. They exchange Christmas greetings and then they go up to their apartment and they sit down and the children pull out the Christmas CDs and dads put the beautiful dinner on the table and they reach out to hold hands to pray and Jeff says, something doesn't seem quite right. So he gets up and he goes out, he goes down the stairs. Mary, come on up, join us for Christmas dinner. I can't possibly. I've got to stay with my stuff. Someone could take it. Jeff goes back in, sits down at the table. Well, I tried. Grace said, not hard enough. And so... The family picked up the candles and the greenery on the centerpiece and the placemats and the silverware and the tamales and they carried it down the stairs and they sat in the stairwell shivering and eating dinner with Mary. When Christmas dinner was complete, they sang some carols, a little town of Bethlehem, silent night. But Mary wasn't much of a singer and she began to nod off, and they realized that the hour was late and they should all go to bed. And the hour is late now. So I just want to tell you that I'm looking out at you tonight, and I know you've come from so many different places to get here. I'm not quite sure how you did it, but I can see that every single one of you is wearing the identical shirt God's favorite.